Welcome to the Church 214 podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. How's everybody doing today? Oh, one of you is awesome. We'll get there. We'll get there. We're in this series called Home Address, and Heidi kicked it off last week. She had a great word for us. Thank you, Heidi. That was awesome. And man, I've been so excited about this series for months now. If you don't know, our teaching team meets together quarterly and plans these out. So this was planned back in April. And we say this all the time. It's the timing that God has is so perfect. Like We could not make this stuff up, and we don't. The whole idea of this series is that our church is founded on a verse from Acts, um, Acts 2.14. It says, then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd. It was the launching point of the church. In that moment when they stepped forward, that marked the beginning, the starting point for the church of Jesus Christ. And Jesus made Peter a promise that's still ours today that we can hold on to today. He told him, he said, on this rock, Peter, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against us. See, we're commanded to move the kingdom forward, and we are promised that as we step forward together and take ground against the enemy, that the very gates of hell don't stand a chance against the power and the presence of Jesus that we bring with us. Amen? And so now 2,000 years later, just like Peter and the first apostles, we're stepping forward together after Jesus. That's what this church is all about. And we continue to build the church, the kingdom that they launched 2,000 years ago. That's our home address, Acts 2.14. So what we were inspired as a teaching team to do back in April was what other books of the Bible, chapter 2, verse 14, could the Holy Spirit speak to us that would complement our home address? Does that make sense? So we had this teaching team, like I said, back on April 16th. And I was so excited about this series coming up in, in August that the next day, April 17th, I'm flipping through the Bible and I read every single um, 214 verse in the Bible. Now, there's not all 66 because uh, some books of the Bible don't have a chapter 2, verse 14, but there's, there's a lot. There's in the high 50s, low 60s. And there's some great verses. But when I read this verse that I'm going to share with you today, the Holy Spirit just caused it to jump out at me. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that it's a message straight from the throne room of heaven this morning to our mailbox at 214 in Peoria, Illinois. Would you stand with me? Let's read the Word of God together. We're going to be in one scripture this morning, and then I'm going to bounce all over the place. Habakkuk 2.14, for as the waters fill the sea, the earth will be filled with an awareness of the glory of God. Let's just pray before we get started. If you, if you feel comfortable, just open your hands as a sign of you opening your hearts for this word of God to penetrate your life this morning, Father. We're standing here as family in the tradition of this church that you launched 2,000 years ago. And it's a kingdom, God, that is unshakable. We believe that. Its foundation is Jesus Christ. 
My God, this morning we know you have a word for us. We pray that every distraction would be silenced both physically and in our heads and hearts and let us focus on your spirit who wants to do a work in each of our hearts. No matter how long we've been a Christian, no matter how long we've been saved, maybe it was yesterday, maybe it's going to be today, maybe it was 30 years ago or longer, God, you want to take us deeper. Your spirit wants to do something within us to change us, to be different people than when we walked in today. So God, we're opening up to you now. We're ready to hear your voice. Let this be good soil that's going to bear much fruit. In Jesus' name and the entire church said, amen. Let me take your seats. Habakkuk. When's the last time you heard a message from Habakkuk? I don't know. I'd have to think about that one. Habakkuk 2.14. For as the waters fill the sea, the earth will be filled with the awareness of the glory of the Lord. It's such a great picture for us. You know, who loves the ocean in this place? Anybody like the ocean? Amen. You know, I didn't grow up near the ocean, but I grew up in Canada near the mountains, which are just as spectacular. But my second Canadian home was near the ocean in Vancouver, Canada. My grandparents lived out there, and I loved going out to see the ocean. See, there's something majestic about the bigness and the greatness and that vast expanse of water. And in chapter 2, verse 14, God is saying to the prophet Habakkuk here, he's, he's, he's speaking and Habakkuk is recording his response. And God describes as only he can the parallel between his glory and the waters that fill the sea. For as the waters fill the sea, God says, that's a picture of how the earth will be filled with my glory. And the Holy Spirit showed me this verse back on April 17th, so I've been soaking in this for a while now, for four months. And between now and then, I've taken some work trips internationally, and those trips, some of them have been near the ocean. Sometimes just getting a glimpse of the ocean for five minutes in Chile last month. And then last weekend, I had planned a trip to South Africa um, weeks ago. And for a variety of circumstances, I had to arrive a day early. And only God knew, only God could have planned that out. Last Sunday, he knew I needed to walk along his ocean and to soak in who he is. See, last Sunday, I dreadfully missed you all. I missed you every Sunday, but last Sunday in particular, because the week before, what had transpired in my life was a tough one. And if you don't know me, my passion is the kingdom of God and building his church, and I don't get paid for anything that I do here at Church 214. I'm kind of like the Apostle Paul who made and sold tents to support the ministry that God had called him to do. I don't build tents, but... For the past 15 years, I worked for a company that manufactures parts in the global mining industry. And so I I get to travel all over around the world and work with clients and dealers to sell these parts. And this company that I work for was started by a, a godly Christian man over 60 years ago. And then his sons, who are godly Christians, took over the company and kept it running in the same tradition that, that he had. 
And I started working there 15 years ago, hired by those two sons, and I've worked my way up in the company and have the, the privilege now of leading on the executive team. And every Friday morning, our executive team, they would meet and we would start every morning, Friday morning, with prayer, without fail. Asking God to lead us into the future. And I see a number of years ago, 10 some years ago, the family, these two sons that were leading the company, they sold the company to a multinational company based out of Europe. But our president and CEO, one of those sons, continued to lead a company and still protected our culture and our values and the things that make us really special. And so a week, a week and a half ago, the parent company came into town and they fired our CEO, the one whose dad started the company. And they fired two other directors that are absolutely essential to who we are as a company. See, in the matter of one or two days, everything that I had known in the past 15 years completely changed in an instant. It was like something out of a movie that you would see, a horrible nightmare that I would not wish on anybody. And I tell you all this just to be real with you, just to be vulnerable with you. That's one of our values here, that we're going to be genuine. We're a family. We share stuff. And we, I know everyone sitting in this place today, everybody listening on the podcast, they all have stuff. They all have troubles that they're facing. I'm not asking for a pity party. I'm not at all. I'm just being real with you. And Jesus said to us in this world that we will have trouble. That's a guarantee. But he also says, take heart, because I have overcome the world. Amen? Anyone believe that here this morning? We stand in a kingdom that is unshakable, and no one can take that away from us. So that's just a little backdrop to where I'm going here this morning. And last Sunday, a couple days after this had happened, God had already pre-programmed my travel schedule, and I found myself walking along the ocean in one of the most beautiful cities in the world, Cape Town, South Africa. And for eight miles, I walked and I just listened to Jesus, asking his spirit to speak to me, mainly about the message today, but also listening to him about anything else that he wants to tell me. And you know, I don't know if you've ever had it happen to you, but there are moments in your life where you are with the Holy Spirit and he's speaking to you faster than you can write down or notate. But he's writing those things in your heart. And that's what happened in those eight hours walking along the ocean is there's things that he wrote in there that are permanent, that are unbelievable. I don't have time to share them all with you today, but I'm going to share some that relate to this message. How many people know that God says, if you seek me, you will find me? Amen. And in those eight hours, his spirit flooded over me, just like the ocean I was walking next to. His grace crashed over me like the relentless waves beating down the shore. See, there's nothing in this world more satisfying than God speaking right to your heart. Psalm 50:50 says, call on me when you are in trouble, and I will rescue you. And guess what? You will give me glory. And that's what we're talking about today. Habakkuk 2.14, for as the waters fill the sea, the earth will be filled with the awareness of the glory of the Lord. 
Do you know to date that we've only explored approximately 5% of the ocean? In this modern day and age, we're so proud that we know all this stuff. We only know 5% about the ocean. And there's so much more that needs to be learned from exploring the mysteries of the deep. The ocean is the lifeblood of the earth. It covers more than 70% of the planet's surface, and it drives the weather, it regulates temperature, and ultimately it supports all living organisms. Scientists estimate that we only know 230,000 of the estimated 2 million living species in the ocean. See, there are vast, unexplored parts of the deep. We know more about um, some parts of outer space than our oceans. We have better maps of Venus and Mars than of the seabed. That's crazy. There are vast, unexplored mysteries of God's depth. It's really interesting to me that in the beginning, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God hovered over the waters of the deep. See, the deep waters and the depths of God's glory have been intertwined since the beginning. And if you've been a follower of Jesus for any longer than one day, you know that there are depths to God that just keep on going. There are revelations that are new every day. And to me, that is the one of the most exciting things about being a child of God. That there are facets to the Father, new dimensions and angles and elements, new understanding about him that we can experience every single day if we are pressing in and we are seeking and we are knocking and asking him. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 2, he says, No, the wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God. His plan that was previously hidden, even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. But the rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had, they would have not crucified our glorious Lord. That's what the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit, for his spirit searches out and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thought except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we, my friends, have received the spirit of God, not the world's spirit, so that we can know the wonderful things that God has freely given to us. That is a promise that you can take to the bank. His spirit, the same spirit that hovers over the waters of the deep in Genesis, that spirit resides in you if you're a follower of Jesus. And it shows you, it illuminates to you God's deep secrets, his mysteries. Listen to me, there's an ocean of God's glory inside of you. And if you're not exploring the deepness, the richness of his ocean, then you are missing out. The Father has a vast ocean for you to dive into. So why are you still standing on the shore and just dipping your toes in every once in a while? There's so much more. The average, the average ocean depth 
is 14,000 feet deep. That leaves a lot of room for the mysteries of the sea. The head of uh, the Exploration and Research Division of NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, that's a lot of words, said recently, he said, the ocean is 95% unexplored, unknown, and unseen by human eyes. Every time we go off on an expedition, we see something new or something believed to be new. An example of this was in 2004. It was dubbed uh, Operation Deep Scope. And a team of explorers placed a non-obtrusive camera on the bottom of the deep ocean off the shore of Mexico. And in one minute of having that camera running, there was a new discovery that was made. This one camera, in less than a minute of operation, imaged the video of a six-foot squid that had never been seen before, not known to exist on our planet. A few years ago, in 2014, a pack of these giant squid capsized a fishing boat off the Sea of Cortez, killing seven fishermen. One witness said, I saw four or five bodies wash up on shore. They were totally black and blue all over. They looked like they'd been attacked by monster suction cups. The lone survival was barely recognizable after being dragged from the boat and chewed by several of the giant squid. These squid have eight arms and two tentacles, all covered in suction cups lined with small teeth. Sounds awesome. They also have three hearts and eyes the size of soccer balls. And they hunt in groups of at least a thousand. The squid can grow up to 40 feet long and 500 pounds, making them very difficult to combat, I think so. They survive so deep underwater that no light penetrates whatsoever. The pressure at that extreme level would crush any, element, or any elephant or any large land mammal. Now, my family's going to Mexico, that part of Mexico, for vacation in November. And I was telling my son Bennett about this last night because I've been telling him, hey, we should do some deep sea fishing while we're out there. He's rethinking that now. But I'm thinking, hey, we're going to catch us some six-foot squid. But seriously, that's just one of the, the thousands of examples of the amazing depth and width of the ocean, the mysteries that we don't know about. There are mysteries of the deep. In Psalm 42, verse 7, this is a great verse. It says, deep calls to deep. In the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. See, the Holy Spirit that hovers over the deep waters lives in you. The deepness of the ocean of the glory of God is calling out to you, deep calling out to deep. That word deep in that passage means the greatness of God. All of God, the great I am. You have the deepness of the Spirit of God in you, and it's calling out to you. Deep is calling to deep. All in an effort for you to experience more of the glory of God. For you to respond and make his name more famous on the earth. And that's why I love our home address verse this week. For as the waters fill or cover the sea, the earth will be filled with an awareness of the glory of God. There are several key words in this verse that we must understand so we can fully grasp what God is saying here. As the waters fill or as the waters cover the sea, that word cover in Hebrew is kasa, and it means to cover fully 
or to completely overwhelm. In Genesis, if you remember, God told Noah to build an ark to prepare the way of escape for what was coming. And in Genesis 7, 19, it says, finally the water covered the earth. Covered fully. Completely overwhelming. Rising more than 22 feet above the highest peaks. I mean, can you imagine Everest covered, the whole earth covered, Kasa, by the water that God sent? And if you're being baptized today, this is an illustration of allowing His glory to cover you. It's an illustration of your old self, your old person being put to death, being crushed under the glory of God, and then rising up to new life in Him. He's covered you completely. He's bought you with a high price. See, when you chose Jesus, you chose that ark. You chose the only way of escape. Remember the Israelites at the Red Sea? Can you imagine that moment when they were set free by Pharaoh? They finally had their freedom, and they, they came to the Red Sea only to realize that the sea was in front of them, the mountains were beside them, and Pharaoh's army, because he had changed his mind, was chasing down furiously after them. There was no way of escape. Maybe you feel like whatever situation you're in today, that you're trapped. But I'm here to tell you today that what we see as an obstacle, God sees as an opportunity. And God made a way for the Israelites, and he will make a way for you. See, he could have done a billion different things at the Red Sea to, to have them escape. He's so creative, but he leads them through the sea, through his glory. And God will make a way for you. He always has, and he always will. Exodus 14, 26, when all the Israelites had reached the other side, the Lord says to Moses, raise your hand over the sea again. Then the waters will rush back and cover Kassah, the Egyptians, and their chariots. See, his glory always covers. He makes a way through his glory, and then his glory covers the enemy. On the cross, he made a way. Just when it looked like darkness had won, the very blood that the enemy had spilt, he uses to cover your sins. See, you may be stuck today. You may feel like you're in a corner today with no way of escape, but I'm here to tell you, God will make a way for you. He will cover the enemy with his glory. He always has and he always will. His glory always covers these, the idea of glory and covering are intertwined so much in Scripture. In Isaiah chapter 6, the prophet Isaiah sees this vision, and the glory of God is so strong that the seraphim, these majestic six-winged creatures, cover themselves. Isaiah 6.1, in the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple, and above him were seraphim, each with six wings, and with two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they called out to one another, saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorpost and thresholds shook 
and the temple was filled with smoke. Isaiah has this beautiful and majestic vision of the glory and holiness of God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Not some of the earth, the whole earth is full of his glory. Somebody needs to hear that today. See, to understand glory, though, we need to understand holiness. The Hebrew word for glory is one of my favorites. It's kavod. And it means the substance, the weightiness, the heaviness of God. John Piper says it this way, glory is the holiness of God on display. The heavens declare the glory of God, the substance of God, the the depth of God, the weightiness of God. That's why when you see a beautiful sunset or lightning lighting up the night sky, that's God revealing his holiness in just some small ways. But hold on just a second. Habakkuk 2.14 says, For as the waters fill the sea, the earth will be filled. Isaiah 6.3 says, The whole earth is filled with his glory. Which is it? Does his glory fill the earth or will it fill the earth? (laughs) Make no mistake, my friends. His glory is here. His glory fills and covers and has permanently invaded our atmosphere. Let's read our 2.14 verse again. Here's the key to the entire verse. For as the waters fill the sea, the earth will be filled with an awareness of the glory of God. My friends, his glory is already here. Hello? The whole earth is full of his glory. The only question is, are you aware of his glory? The promise is that the earth will be filled with an awareness. You know what that word awareness means? I can't make this stuff up. I didn't even know this until two weeks ago. I preached an entire sermon on this back in May, on this word, and I didn't even know what it meant in this verse. Awareness is the Hebrew word yada. It means to know intimately. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, yada him. Experience him. Be aware of him. And he will make your paths straight. See, this only happens, though, when we step off the beach and fully immerse ourselves in his spirit. Too many of us, we may be in the ocean water, but our feet are still touching the ocean floor. We're just waist deep. And God is saying, experience me fully, completely. Yadami, become fully aware of who I am, my glory, because it's filled the whole earth. Step out of the deep waters where you can't swim and touch the ground anymore. That's awareness. That's yada. Deep calling to deep, allowing his waves to crash over you. And like Isaiah said in Isaiah 6.1, he said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. Do you see him today? Are you looking high enough today? Or are you just looking at your circumstances? It's time to live with an awareness. Live to experience him. 
See, when you encounter that struggle, will you look up and see that Jesus is high and lifted up and exalted over that situation? Your tiny circumstance, he's still high and lifted up. He's still on the throne. Smoke is still filling his temple. That little problem that you have, he's still high and exalted above it. That issue you're facing, his glory still fills the whole earth. His glory still fills your situation. His presence is already there. The only question is, what is your awareness level? Will your response be, holy, holy, holy? The whole earth is filled with his glory. When Moses was up on the mountain with God in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, he had to wear a veil over his face because of the glory of God. And Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians. He says, but the moment one turns to the Lord with an open heart, the veil is lifted and they see. Now the Lord I'm referring to is the Holy Spirit and wherever he is Lord, there is freedom. We can all draw close to him with the veil removed from our faces and with no veil we become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. We are being transfigured into his very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. And that glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. The glory that was once veiled in the old covenant, we've been given that glory without a veil in the new covenant. And we are being transformed into his very image. We are moving from glory to glory. Deep is calling to deep. Awareness, yada, is happening because we see glory because of an open heart. See, the glory is already there, but most of the time we don't see it because our hearts are closed. When it's like Moses having to cover his face with the veil. That was the old covenant. And now the veil has been lifted, and with no veil between us and Jesus, we become like mirrors that reflect his very glory. The veil, my friends, has been lifted. You were not meant to play on the shore. You were meant to experience the depth and the width and the mystery of the ocean of his glory. See, if, you, if you've ever been ocean diving before, you know that the greater the depth, the greater the pressure, right? It's called hydrostatic pressure, the force per unit area exerted by liquid on an object. In other words, the deeper you go under the sea, the greater the pressure of the water pushing down on you. If you're at sea level, every square inch of your surface is subjected to a force of 14.6 pounds. And that pressure increases about one atmosphere for every 10 meters of water depth. So at a depth of 5,000 meters, the pressure will be approximately 500 times greater than the pressure at sea level. The modern nuclear attack submarines, the Seawolf class, they've been estimated to have a collapse depth of about 730 meters. See, a submarine can only go as deep as the strength of its hull. And I think you and I are like a submarine. And we tend to put up this hull, this facade around our hearts. And we seemingly cruise along at a comfortable depth when, in fact, God wants to bring us down to crush depth. Deeper and completely crush that facade. Think about how the Grand Canyon was formed. It was not gajillions of years ago. 
It wasn't a river running through it for a billion years. It was a crushing force of a worldwide flood that created something that now displays the glory and the magnificence of God. See, when we are crushed by him, it allows him to create in us. It's his holiness on display. Our God is a creator. He didn't stop creating after six days. He's still creating. He's still creating grand canyons in your heart. And he does that by the crushing weight of his depth and his glory. We must be crushed by the Spirit of God for him to completely wash over our hearts, to fully invade us and soak every part of us to get rid of that facade. Do you remember the story of Jonah? Nobody? Wave at me just to make sure you're still awake. Okay, good. Jonah was a prophet of God, and, and God gave Jonah instructions to go to Nineveh, this city, and announce God's judgment against that city. So what does Jonah do? Instead, he disobeys. He doesn't go to Nineveh, and he goes the opposite direction. He buys a ticket on a boat headed somewhere else. And it's such an illustration of our lives. See, you're either walking towards Jesus or you're walking away from him. There's no middle ground. If you're standing still, I'll tell you which direction you're going because Jesus is going that way. He's moving. you got to be moving with him. And so Jonah, a prophet of God, is trying to escape from God. Not a good idea. But I love it because God didn't give up on Jonah. He sends this powerful wind on the sea towards the boat that Jonah's on. And the storm is raging and the shipping is about to break apart. And the captain and the sailors are freaking out. And the crew, they cast lots, they roll dice to see which one of them was at fault. And of course, it's our boy Jonah. And they ask him, who are you? A pastor. (laughs) What's your line of work? What country are you from? He says, I'm a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made this sea and the land, by the way. Jonah knows the truth in his head, but he wasn't experiencing God in his heart. And the sailors were terrified when they found out the truth. And Jonah told them, he said, guys, the only way to stop this, you're going to have to throw me overboard. Jonah 1 verse 15 to 17 says, Then the sailors picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. That's unbelievable. I really want to see an instant replay of this in heaven. I I hope that's an opportunity. I hope the fish is there. Then we can sort out the fish and the big or the whale debate, you know. It may be something we don't even know about. The spirit of God that hovers over the waters instructs a big fish to be at just the right place at the exact right moment in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the sea, so that he can swallow and save the prophet that he loves. Don't tell me that God is not creative. That is insane. Can you imagine Jonah in that moment, though? He knows he's disobeyed God. He knows what he has to do to save the ship. Guys, you got to toss me overboard. He's definitely thinking, yep, 
I'm going to die for my disobedience. I mean, there's no chance he's thinking anything other than that. I wonder how far he fell in the depths of the ocean before his new friend swallowed him up. And I wonder if he was thinking, oh, great, drowning wasn't enough. God had to send a big fish to finish me off. See, once Jonah dove overboard into the deep, that's where God showed off his glory. Listen to me. You need to dive into the deep. You need to dive further into his glory, so deep that you can't touch anymore, so deep that you can't swim anymore. See, Jesus isn't looking for Christians who are on a ship and every once in a while get an ocean spray of his Holy Spirit. He wants you in the deep end with his spirit completely covering you where you can't touch anymore. See, here's the thing. Habakkuk 2.14, this is from the Amplified Version. But the time is coming when the earth will be filled with the knowledge, the awareness of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. It's a promise. It's prophetic. But it's not about the sea. The sea is just an illustration. It's about the earth. It's about you. The CSB says, For the earth will be filled with the awareness of the Lord's glory as the waters cover the sea. Listen to me very carefully. It's about to flood again. A flood of awareness. A flood of yada. See, the glory is already here. The glory fills the earth. It's our awareness that's coming. It's our choosing to see like Isaiah his glory over your circumstance. To jump into the deep end and to allow the full weight of God, the heaviness of God, to crush you completely. The earth will be filled with the awareness of his glory. It's coming. The rain is falling. The awareness is rising. Do you believe it this morning? Stand up with me. Every head bowed and heart open to what the Spirit has to speak to them in this moment. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus. You're in exactly the right place. There's a Savior that loves you and died for you who took your punishment. You know, the most beautiful places in the world, in my opinion, are where the waters, the ocean meet the mountains, where the ocean meets the earth, where they join together. See, the most beautiful thing that can happen in your life is when the ocean of God, his spirit, joins together against your humanity and crushes you. Like waves crashing on the shore, his spirit is relentlessly chasing you down. His grace just keeps coming. His love just keeps coming. There's nothing you can do to earn it. All you have to do is say, yes, I turn to you. I repent. You are my king. I will follow you. I'm going to step after you today. If that's you, I want to pray with you. With every head bowed and eyes closed, just if that's you today, just raise your hand. Just slip it up. Don't be ashamed of him. Thank you, Jesus. And in your heart, I just want you to say, Father, I'm returning to you. 
I'm going to allow your ocean depth to crush me. I choose you. I step after you today. Seal that in my heart, Jesus. Thank you that your blood purchased me, bought me with the highest price. I'm yours. I'm a child of God. This is the most important decision you can make. This is the ocean beautifully crashing up on the shore. This is the most important day of your life because now you are sealed for eternity. You are a child of God. You have the keys to the kingdom. And maybe you're here today and you, you already do know him. But you've just been waiting in the shallow water. Or maybe, man, you're pretty deep, but you're still kind of touching the ground from time to time. You're still looking more at your circumstances than your Savior. And God is speaking to you, and he's saying, you've got to step in the deep. You've got to allow me to completely crush you, to take that facade away, every corner of your heart. I want to wash it and show you the mysteries of my deep if that's you today, I just want everyone in this place to take a physical step forward towards this altar here. If you're saying, I want more of Jesus, I want to experience the deepness that is the mystery of God. I want his spirit to completely crush you. Don't be, don't be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Sometimes you need to move physically for him to do something in you, to show him, to step forward for him. It's not about an emotional experience. It's about God doing a work in you. It's just you and Jesus right now. There's something that he needs to crush in your life. Start stepping. Come forward. Don't, be, don't, don't let your pride hold you back from what God wants to do in this moment in you. It's about to flood again. The awareness is rising. It's time to jump overboard. Your feet are still touching earth. It's time to jump overboard and dive in deep with him. Whatever circumstances you face, whatever situation you might be facing today, you might feel trapped. But God's saying, I've got you. You need to jump overboard into me. It's time to step forward. I'm coming down there right after I get done preaching here, and I'm going to sing my guts out to this last song because I need more. I need to go more in the deep end. It's just you and Jesus. Block everything else out. Don't worry about your neighbor to the left or the right. Don't worry about your spouse this is your heart. This is your eternity. This is you going deeper with Jesus. This is something you need to get used to doing on a daily basis. Just let him crush you. Some of you need to come forward and kneel to raise your arms. Maybe you've never fully surrendered. You're, you're walking as a child of God, but you've never fully surrendered to him. Some of you need to get baptized today, and you'll have an opportunity to do that in a moment. 
whatever you need to do, whatever step you need to take, don't hold back in this moment. Let the mysteries of his deep completely crush you. Let's just soak in his glory for a moment. In the year that King Uzziah died, and also in 2018 in Peoria, Illinois, I saw the Lord, and he was high. He was exalted. He was lifted up over every circumstance and situation that we face. And he was seated on the throne. And the train of his robe filled the temple. And above him were the seraphim, each with six wings. And with two wings, they covered their faces. And with two wings, they covered their feet. And with two, they were flying. And they called to one another, Holy, 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 holy. Holy, holy is the Lord. The whole earth is full of his glory, his weightiness, his substance, his greatness, his deepness his mystery. It's time to step into the deep. <laughs>